I'm very encouraged and inspired by every one of you as I visit with you this week. I experience the person grace very close to my heart, and that is the person of Jesus. And that's why the subject today is going to be precisely about that. On the one hand, so many wonderful things I saw the hand of God leading not only in my life, but in some of your cases. I'm excited that I have the privilege to start my first Bible study with someone here in this community. I told you, I'm never happier than doing two things, Bible studies and inside of that baptismal pool. I can't wait. I can't wait until the Lord makes it plain to us that there's one of his child responding to his call. And this person will declare his love, her love for him, following him all the way through in baptism. And of course, that is just the start. That is just the beginning. And I am not planning to change this church. God forbid I do that. But I do ask the Lord to change me and the whole church in such a way that it will be such a magnet in this community that people will know that God is doing something here that is way out of our control and under His control. The control of the Holy Spirit. And I say this not lightly, but very respectfully. Because I can't wait until God makes it plain to you that you will own what he reveals to you and that you will share with the rest of the church family and we will grow together. I can't wait until you and I become like the person grace, such an impact in our neighborhood, at work, wherever we may be, that God will truly let us know that he is working in our midst. And not only there, but in my heart and in your heart. To that end, I invite you to please bow your heads with me as we pray again. Heavenly Father, I declare myself inept, incompetent. I have no clue how to pray. I think I'm praying. It's your idea. You invite us. And I just thank you for the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit who intercedes with groaning, not only on mine, but every one of your children here behalf. And Lord, I just pray that as he intercedes for our needs, our petitions, our struggles, that today, after we have acknowledged you for who you are and what you have done, we can surely say we have been in the presence of God. Lord, please do this, not for human recognition, but solely for the honor and glory of your name. May Jesus be uplifted, we pray in his saving name. Amen. A true story mentioned in the book, The Jesus I Never Knew. 
it's a story that, since I read it myself, has haunted me. I just can't shove it away. There's no delete key that I touch and it'll just go away. And of course, of course, um, it's about uh, this prostitute that lived in Chicago. And there she was, you know, um, in wretched straits, uh, homeless, sick, unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. Through sobs and tears, she told she had been renting out her daughter, two-year-old little girl, to men interested. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour that she could do in an entire day. This is, this is not only shocking and sad, and you could see why. She had to do it, she said, to support her own drug habit. I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. For one thing, it made me the author says, legally liable. I'm required to report cases of child abuse. I had no idea what to say to this woman, the author says in the story. And later on, this gentleman asked if she had ever thought of going to a church for help. I will never forget, the author says, I'll never forget the look of pure, naive shock that she crossed her face. Church, she cried out. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling horrible about myself. They just make me feel worse. What struck me about the story is that woman, much like this prostitute, that would fled toward Jesus, not away from Jesus. In this case, he's saying, why would I want to go to a church? Has the church lost that gift? And I'm talking about general, and including myself and all of us. People should be people who flock to Jesus when he lived on earth no longer feel welcome among his followers in many places. I'm so glad that today I was so much encouraged by the words of one of my new friends in the process. Her name is Cindy. She's sitting among us today. We were walking up here. That's why you walk, saw me walk late coming up here. She said, I like this church. I feel welcome here. And my friends, if there's going to be any change, I pray it's going to be in that direction. I pray that you and I will be such a reflection of the person grace, Jesus, that people will fled to this church. It's not just going to be announced amongst here. 
the Lord will make it plain to us how can we put the word out there that we're going to have sometimes soup and bread or salad, sometimes pizza. But we're coming here together to study the Bible Wednesday nights just to get together. Young adults, young people, and someone might not that young that would like to come and study together to be affirmed, to be uplifted, loved, embraced, encouraged by His grace. And so this morning I come to you sharing with you a well-known foundation, the basics of the gospel. Would you please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. There is the heart, there is the core center of the gospel, Jesus teaching three stories, three parables about God. And I'm also inspired to learn from other Christian authors that Jesus spoke spake in parables not so much to teach us how to live, but how to know who God is. This is what it's all about. He was here when he taught this story. Look at who was there when you read in verse 15. We read this before. Then all the tax collector, notice all, all the bad guys, according to certain people, all the tax collectors and the sinners, and who falls under sinners? Everybody. But in that case, according to the religious leaders, was the thieves, was the prostitutes, the tax collectors. All the sinners drew near to him. Do you see the picture? They are drawn to Jesus. They don't run from him. They run toward him. They feel welcome, embraced by him. And the Pharisees, says verse 2, and scribes complain. God forbid that any of us ever in the future complain for a sinner that walks in our midst. He is welcome in the midst of other sinners that God is in the process of preparing to live in his presence. So yes, there it is. They complain, saying, this man, and notice man with capital M, referring to Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I pray, my brother Gary and Judy, you have a whole bunch of sinners Wednesday night. I'm going to be the first in line, you know. You're going to have a hard time getting rid of me. Yes. I pray, beloved, that this man who is called one who receives sinners, mingles with sinners, eats with them, that this will be what will change my life, your life, the life of this community of faith, this church. So he now begins with the first of the three stories. We're going to look at them. We're going to review. We know them by heart. So let's go to the first one. So he spoke this parable to them. Number one saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together 
his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Number one. Number two. And when he comes home, he calls together. Oh, I'm sorry. Seven. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now number two on verse eight. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Oh, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Third and final. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods that falls to me. In other words, give me my inheritance. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, in other words, pretty soon, the younger son gathered all together, journey to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all of it, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Hmm. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to his to himself, he said, How many of my father's higher servant have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger here. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, no, don't, don't, please don't continue. The father said, no. And he addressed his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us 
eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to marry. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What are these things? Uh, what things these meant? And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him, Son, would you please come in? I can imagine. He was angry. He was outside there. 29. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, not like an internet, LOL, okay? This is a different one. Lo, these many years I have been serving you, I never transgress, transgress your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat, something smaller than a calf, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, this good for nothing came, who was, was devour your livelihood with harlots, prostitutes, you killed the fatted cow for him. 31. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. We know the story too well. Every one of you, starting with me, are in one of the three stories. I don't know which one. You don't have to raise your hand and give a testimony of which one it is. It's okay. It doesn't matter. But all of us, regardless if we were born Seventh-day Adventists, we were at one point in either one of these three stories or parables. And one day, something happened to you And you could not resist anymore. And you came to the Lord. Because the first parable describes those who perhaps grew up in the church and decided to take a ride, a walk, take a hike. And while out there, got too tangled in the world and just couldn't figure out how to make it back. And the good shepherd, Jesus, came to your rescue. And instead of kicking you, and instead of pushing you, and instead of ridiculing you, instead of making fun of you, He picks you up. He puts oil on the wounds, puts you on the shoulder, and carries you back to His flock. And when He gets there, He's not over. He calls for a party. And rejoices over you. Or me. And there's joy in heaven. Yes? Could have been your case. I don't know. The second story. We know. There's this lady. We know that in those days. Um, the dowry was giving 
to the wife, wife-to-be. Um, she will in turn perhaps give it to daddy. That would be okay. But other than that, she will keep it. She wanted to brag with her other lady's friend. Look what was given to me. And perhaps one day she was counting them and one of them got lost. She put it on the side, fell on the floor. We don't know. It's not told there in the story. But one of those coins was lost. And then she just could not find it. She was perhaps like me, over 50, and kind of forget things. I don't know. But she just couldn't find it. And then she decides, oh, I'm going to turn the line. i got to see better here. And then she goes, picks up the broom. I know that i got to come across of it. If I don't see it, at least the broom might bring it out. Then I'll be able to get it. And so she gets into that journey and diligently goes and finally finds it. And when she finds it, again, we have the same scenario. She calls the neighbor ladies and she says, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a feast. I had one of my coins. I got lost. I found it again. It's in my possession. And there was joy. There was merry. And of course, the final one, before we go to it, that one represents people, as we all know, that are in this world. They don't even know they're lost. They don't have a clue. If you ask them, I'm fine. I don't kill. I don't rob. I don't do nothing wrong to my friends or neighbors. I'm a peaceful person. God's got to love me. I mean, I'm okay. There can't be nothing wrong with me. I've never been to jail. I've never been in the principal's office as a kid. So, I got to be okay. They don't have an idea of what's happening in them. Until somebody diligently decides to turn the light on. And makes deliberate efforts to somehow create a bridge of friendship. Through friendship evangelism perhaps. They probably heard about a place where they have pizza or soup. And they study the Bible and everybody is welcome. I'm going to go check it out. They might be thinking only of the soup or the pizza. They don't have a clue what's going on. So it's free. Why not? I'm going to go. And someone decides to love, embrace, affirm, create a bond of friendship right there. From first sight, it's a smile that receives that individual. And of course, he says, I kind of like it here. I like to hang out with you guys here. Is that okay? But of course, anytime, come. And after the meeting is over, I can imagine everybody that came there, yes, Lord, thank you for a friend that saw the ad, heard the ad, whatever, and came to our meeting. Beloved, there was joy. They rejoiced. God, some phone calls were answered and decided to come. And finally, of course, the third story. Again, someone was raised as a Christian, some Christian churches, decides to go to the world, tries everything that the world has to offer, knows the way back, and on the way back, 
has a speech. Prepare a speech. I know what I'm going to say to my father. Father, I know I've sinned against God. I even sinned against you too. I disgrace your name. I'm not even worthy to be your son. Would you please put me back in those little shacks back there? Like with the doorkeeper, whatever. The guys who take care of your flocks, of your cows or whatever. I'll, I'll live with them. I'll eat with them. I'll, I don't even show up in your house. You can even change my name. I'll pay you back every penny of all the money that I have just thrown away. So he practiced his speech. He practiced, he practiced while he was walking there. And you know the story. At the distance, far away, the father sees him. He even knows how he walks. Do you know how people walk, people that you know? They have a certain way of walking. The father picked it up immediately. He's not dead. That's got to be my son. Nobody walks like him. He has a way to walk, you know. You know, he, he's got a way to walk. That's him. That's my son. He thinks he's cool, at least in his mind. So that walk has not gone away from him. That's got to be him. So he runs and indeed it's him. And when he starts, dad, dad, I got to tell you something. There's no time for that. There'll be time for that. Right now, it's time to marry, to rejoice. I thought you were dead, but you're alive. God has given me the joy to see you back again. I am so glad. And of course, he made sure he took off his garment. He covered him. He kissed him. He cried there. Can you imagine a dad crying? We spoke about before, you know, kissing on the neck. We say, no, that's not part of our culture. So we don't do that here. But that's what they did there. That's part of their culture. So my friends, we know that the opposite of grace is ungrace. And here comes the brother from the fields. What is all this noise that I'm hearing? What is all this noise that I'm hearing? Well, your dad just made a party. Your brother is back. He's alive. And he was directly, Dad, how could you do this? How could you do this? You never even, a little goat for me. You never did any of that kind, a party for me so that I and my friends could just get out of the routine of hard work. And You didn't do anything for me of that kind. Why do you do this? For I don't even know how has the courage to show up here. He's just been up, other than just a disgrace to us. Our family is just ruined because of him. The father said, son, son, he's alive. He's here with us. It's tragic what happened to all of us. Very, very, very tragic. And God created Adam and Eve. He created them with a perfect mind. They could relate to God. There would have been no stories like the ones we just went to or read through the Bible. You see, not only they had perfect minds, but they had even noble powers. Not powers like people have on TV. No, noble powers. Their thoughts were pure and their aims were holy. They would run toward God when God would come and visit them personally. 
But when they chose to disobey God, their thoughts were changed. I mean, they would not think the way they did anymore. Love for self took the place of love for God. We've spoken about this before. Self loves, but only itself. We, we've spoken about that. That's the number one thing about self. Loves a lot, but only itself. This tragedy made men so weak that they could not by themselves resist the power of the evil. Not only that, they were Satan's slaves and would have been slaves forever if God had not given them his personal presence through the Holy Spirit and would have not sent Jesus to intervene in human history. After they had sinned, they did not find happiness in being holy and they tried to hide from God. Sinners today do exactly the same because they do not love the things of God loves. They do not enjoy being with Him or like talking to Him and even in prayer. It is not possible for ourselves to escape from the power of sin. Our hearts are sinful and we cannot change them. It's horrible. And we think that's outside the walls of this church. But no, it begins with me. All of us became enemies of God when we are controlled by our human sinful nature. Education, good matters, and willpower all have their place in helping us to do right things, but they cannot change our hearts and make our lives pure. No way. Only a new life from above, a power working inside us can change us from being sinful to being holy. Only one new life, only a new life from above, a power working from inside. And beloved, This power is Jesus Christ. Praise be to the Lord. This power is Jesus Christ. His grace alone can give life to our dead souls and draw us to God and to holiness. Thank God for His amazing grace. There's no other way. If I would have known that a new church sign was in the process of being put up, I would have said, brothers, put there extreme grace, church. That's a thought, okay? Extreme grace. I pray that today you will understand that if there's going to be any change in my life, in your life, it's only by His grace alone that can give us life to our dead souls and draw us to God and to holiness so that the story whatever it might have been in the past of us, will stay where it needs to stay in the past. And you and I would determine today and every day that we come together, Lord, your grace alone changed this life. Turn me as a reflection of Jesus. As a matter of fact, instead of me trying to be Jesus, how about you, Jesus? 
come and live your life in me and through me. Would that be okay? Make that your prayer every day. We've been mentioning every time we come together here. Ask Jesus every day. Come and live his life of compassion, of grace, of forgiveness, of love, of sympathy, of patience. We don't have any of those, but he does. And he wants us to invite him to just manifest his virtues in and through you. And beloved, that's my prayer today for you, but especially for myself. I pray that without a sign out there, this church will be known for its extreme grace, which is Jesus. Amen? It's not the people. It's the ones who've been the object of that grace that people say, wow, you're not the same. I was making a phone call last night, and this lady was telling me about this lady from some country from Eastern Europe went to visit our brethren of the Spanish church in Sheboygan. And she could not believe the gentleman that she knew nine years ago. There's something different in your voice. What is it that you don't sound the same? Well, I think it's because I'm going to this church and I'm studying the Bible. Oh, well, I like to go to that church. I like to go to that church, but I live in Fond du Lac and I'm in a wheelchair. Oh, we know a pastor there. He speaks Spanish. She speaks Spanish. She speaks Hungarian, English, and another one that I can't remember. He only speaks Spanish and English, okay? So he would like to visit with you. Would that be okay? Yes. We'll call him and tell him about it. Beloved, he started changing because of how he began to study the Bible relate to other children of God, he started speaking differently. And she could sense that on that phone call and said, come pick me up, take me to Sheboygan, Sheboygan, and then bring me back. So I can't wait. I'm waiting for a text message that's going to come in sometime today with her phone because I got her name already. Anita. Anita's her name. And like a Western, I mean Eastern Europe name, has about a ton of K's and Y's and H that you can hardly pronounce. So, I'll just say Anita and address her and look for her because I want to tell her the story of Jesus. I want to introduce her to my friend, Jesus. I pray, my prayer for you, every morning, unless I forget or I'm involved in something else, I engage in prayer with my brother Sandas, praying for each other to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Your elders are asking the Lord to remind them to do exactly the same. And some of you have tried to do that. And there's still like four books there in the office, 40 days of devotion and prayers and preparation for Jesus' second coming and spiritual preparation. And beloved, all you have to do is just sign your name there and engage with someone in prayer to ask daily to be baptized by the Holy Spirit so that your life will not be the same. I cannot change it. All I can do is invite you, appeal to you, call to you. But it's your choice. You have the final call. Am I going to stay the same? And by staying the same, 
part of the church stays the same. And nor God, nor the rest of us want to stay the same. We want to have a party. And you know why is the party, right? Someone has decided to accept Jesus' invitation. You introduced them to Jesus. You told them about it. You told them what He's done in your life. And I close with this, beloved. If you don't have a story to tell to somebody, some people call that testimony, a story that you have an encounter with Jesus that sometimes might even bring you to tears, something that makes your heart vibrate, you even get emotional about it, and you tell them about it, and they say, wow, man, how did that happen? Could could Jesus do that to me too? And you tell them, yes, and that's why I'm here, to tell you that He will do that and even more. He's not even done with me. He started it. He's not done. But He will. He said He's faithful. He will finish His work in me and in you if you invite Him into your life and by faith embrace Him as your friend and Savior. And that's why I'm here today. If you don't have a story, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Reject it or, no, this is not for me. Talk to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need to tell a story and I don't have one. I need to have a special encounter with you. But you are the ones who's in charge. It's not me. You don't have to bring a tragedy in my life to this. I don't have to go to the world and get crazy and drunk and do all the wrong things and then come back to you. No. But I need to have a story of what you've done for me. And the more you contemplate Jesus, the more you look at Him and keep your eyes fixed on Him, the more you will see the contrast contrast of His pure, holy life, and you will see yours. Oh, my life sucks. Wow, this is horrible. Jesus, can you change this? I'm not as good as I thought I was. I sit on church every Sabbath. But now that I look at the contrast, it's embarrassing actually. Would you do what you said you would? Only a new life from above, a power working inside us can change us from being sinful to being holy. Please, please, I'm going to ask you something very, very strange. Would you raise your hand if you don't want this? Could there be someone here say, Pastor, I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't want this change. I don't want to be holy. And I don't say this to cause a commotion here. I'm just being honest. Could there be someone here today? I thought so. I thought so. We we would have to be out of our minds. Only a new life from above. A power working inside us can change us from being sinful to being holy. That power is Jesus Christ. I will not make an appeal to you today in the name of Jesus. You will. You will. I pray that today, before this day is over, you go to Jesus. Jesus, I need a story because that story is going to go out. That story is not going to stay in here in my heart and my mind. 
It's going to go out. I got to tell somebody about it. Some of my friends, relatives, neighbors, co-workers, I don't know. As a matter of fact, I don't even know how to do it, but you will empower me. I trust you that you would do that. So would you please bring me to that point at the foot of the cross where I will be able to see myself for who I really am and be able to see you for who you are. And that will give me a proper perspective where I'm at. And I pray that like many of us here who have trial, many of us have fall here too. And beloved, Jesus with his grace, the only one came and lift us up. This is what church is all about. Handing out a hand to lift up somebody that the enemy tempted and threw down. Your job and mine is not to ridicule, condemn, and call on the board immediately. It's to go and embrace. Take your coat and cover him. Or even better than that, ask Jesus to cover him with his righteousness. That's what we're here as a church, extreme grace. We don't have to put a sign out there. Let's make it in our minds. Extreme grace. God's unfathomable grace to touch each other. Jesus, in his name, gives me the privilege, power, and authority to declare you ambassador of his grace. Amen? Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I am so glad that today, this morning, I had the privilege to meet for the first time Michael. He's just 10 years old. Only his friends from his division down there kind of know him and grandma that is here today. But very soon everybody's going to know Michael and his mom and especially his dad. Father, I lift them up before you. The enemy is trying not only to discourage and bring storm not only in their but many other people's lives. And you called every disciple, every ambassador here to invite Jesus in their lives so people will know the person grace. And that is Jesus, the only power capable that comes from above and makes us his children and holy. Thank you, Father. Thank you for doing this right here, right now in our lives. And now as we walk out of your sanctuary, your house, it should be called for all nations a house of prayer. This Wednesday night, we pray, Lord, that someone will be introduced to Jesus. Father, may that be the prayer of every and each disciple here tonight. I mean, this very moment. And of course, tonight as well. Thank you for hearing our prayers. 
thank you for granting us the gift. Your greatest gift that you can give us. The baptism of your Holy Spirit. In the name of our friend and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.